Hello everybody, this is Clint Payne. Welcome to my first podcast ever. I hope you will continue with me on this journey every week that we will take together along the path of spirituality, psychology, and the integration of those things so that you can improve your life in both emotional, spiritual, psychological, and hopefully even physical ways with your relationships, um, with yourself, and with God. Now, some of you may know me, and you got turned on this podcast because you saw it on Facebook. You've been a client of mine. You've seen me speak at a church. You've come to a workshop I've attended. You've read my devotional book. Some of you may not know me at all. You got turned on this podcast because somebody asked you to listen or because you saw the link somewhere. Um, I'm glad you joined me. Let me introduce myself to you, and today, this first podcast, I want to spend my time telling you my story, telling you who I am, telling you why I came and how I came to be who I am today. And why I want to do this crazy podcast thing every week. And hopefully give you some tools, some information, some skills, some ways to improve and better your life. And hopefully, hopefully you'll feel like, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. That sounds like me. And in Rob Bell's famous words when I saw him speak a couple weeks ago, hey, let's just hang out together. Hey, you want to hang out? I hope this becomes a place to hang out for you where you hang out and you get to see that we all are alike. We all have common struggles. We all get scared and worried and afraid, but we also can join together and find ways to learn and grow through those struggles, to learn how to manage and handle our anxieties, uh, to learn how to become better people, learn how to grow closer to each other, grow closer to God, grow better in our spiritual lives. So let's start it, telling you a little bit about me. Now, I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I have been for the last 21 years in the state of Georgia, and I love it. I've had the privilege and the honor of sitting with people who are struggling, who are scared, who are worried, couples who are struggling in their relationships, adolescents worried and scared and angry and feeling left alone, children emotionally neglected, scared and afraid of what's going to happen with their parents, People worried about their self-esteem, not knowing where their value and worth lie, not knowing how to take care of themselves, depressed, suicidal, far, far from God or they feel that way, feeling like they never, ever will be able to be better people, feeling like no one would ever love them. This is my history. This is who I am. But on top of all that experience, I have my own experience. I want to tell you that struggle today, and I want to tell you about a little bit about that here in the next 10 to 15 minutes. So I hope you bear with me and stick with me and listen to my story, and I hope my story helps you and rings true to you and helps you say, yeah, I'm not alone. Hey, hey, let's hang out. So I grew up in a little town outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and my parents were married until I was about 11 years old. And that's kind of where my story begins because I really don't remember much of my childhood before 11 years old. I remember little things. I remember playing baseball. I remember riding on the train with my dad because he worked for the railroad. Um, I remember playing football. I remember uh, going to school. But my biggest and first and most powerful memory was sitting in sixth grade homeroom the morning after my parents told me that they were going to get divorced. They didn't really tell me then they were going to get divorced. It was me and my sister. They just said that dad had to leave because dad had made a huge mistake. 
Um, I remember sitting there crying that night, and then we went to school the next day. I remember sitting in my homeroom, sitting there, my head on my desk, head in my arms, crying, nobody knowing what was going on, nobody even seeing that I was crying. I remember lying there, sitting there with my head on my desk, lying on my desk, and crying and wondering what I was going to do, what was going to happen next. And I remember I made this fateful decision. And that decision was that I could no longer do this. I couldn't have my emotions anymore. I couldn't sit with my head on my desk crying because I was the man in the house now. My dad was gone. I was there. I was the oldest. And I was the man of the house now. So I remember that moment I stopped crying. I wiped my tears from my eyes. I sat up at my desk and I moved forward with my life. Now that sounds like a great and wonderful thing. And at that moment, maybe it was. I needed to get up and get moving and get on. But I remember what it did do is it made me stuff my feelings. It made me hide them. And what I did do, which were positive good things, is I pulled myself up and I worked hard. And throughout my teenage years, I spent my time making good grades, being the best athlete I could be, doing all the things I could at home to help my mom, cooking, cleaning, getting a job as soon as I could get a job. Um, my mom helped me by purchasing my own car and paying for the insurance and having money and working um, hard to make sure I had money so I could go out with my friends and, and take care of myself in all those kind of ways. And then I remember also that I felt very alone at times. I felt very separated from other people. But I took care of myself. I struggled on and I struggled and I did what I had to do. And during this time of my life, my teenage years, I remember very vividly developing an addiction. An addiction that most of you guys uh, probably make you very uncomfortable, but I'm going to talk about it because it's part of my life story and my struggles. It's part of who I am. And it was a sexual addiction. I remember before my dad left home, um, he had a stash of Playboys in the garage, in the downstairs basement in his office. And I remember finding those, and I could look at those and uh, feel good, and masturbate, and take myself to all kinds of places. And at first, in, in a long time in my life, I thought maybe this is a way I could get away from all my feelings. But now as I'm going older, I'm starting to learn that um, it's actually a way for me to feel to even feel at all because you see when I was in sixth grade and I was sitting in my homeroom desk my decision at that moment was to not feel and then also what happened during that time was I became emotionally neglected um my parents were good parents my mom was a great mom she worked hard she took care of us and it really wasn't her that did that but it was more my father um after my parents divorced I went over his house every other week and I was there and I saw him. But as I grew up and I got older and I played baseball and I played football and I played in high school and I did a bunch of those kind of things, um, my dad never, ever came to a football game. Even though I played for a prestigious high school and we went undefeated and we um, made ourselves one of the best teams in the state. And I got a football scholarship. I was good enough at football that I got a football scholarship. My dad refereed, and he was the head official 
for the state of Georgia. It was called the Atlanta Area Football Officials Association. And I remember him telling me when I became a senior and I was playing football that he would quit refereeing to be at games. And guess what? He didn't do that. Then I was told at some point that he would quit refereeing or he would well, I'm gonna quit refereeing but he would come in on Monday mornings and watch the game film because coach told him he could do that I think he did that once and recently uh, several months ago I asked my mom and I said hey was he really ever at any football games and I remember her asking I think the answer to that would be no she wasn't very clear but she was pretty clear and I'm pretty clear that he wasn't either so in all this time I developed this sexual addiction and it helped me to feel it helped me to take care of myself or so I thought at the time and soon enough I went to Liberty University now if you don't know what Liberty University is Liberty University is Jerry Falwell School it's in Lynchburg Virginia and I went there at the time from 1987 to 1990 three and a half years I went to summer school so I got to graduate a little early because I played football so I would stay there some summers and work out and take extra classes and so I graduated a little early but I remember being at Liberty University you know, when I was in high school, I went to church. First Baptist Powder Springs. I went to church every Sunday with my friends. And I remember walking the aisle at one point wanting to be a minister. And I went to youth camps. And he went back at some point and became a youth camp counselor. At Liberty, I did my best to be the best, most possible, holy, righteous Christian I could be. I remember reading my Bible and praying and going to every church service and chapel service and memorizing scripture and learning about scripture and taking Old Testament theology and New Testament theology and learning my psychology as I got my psychology degree. And, and all this time at Liberty University, playing football, praying, reading, studying, memorizing, knowing scripture inside and out, I was still acting out in my addiction. I was still drive myself to the mall, find a pornographic magazine, sneak it back on campus, do what I had to do with it, feel guilty, throw it away, pray to God, oh, forgive me, feel shameful and awful and terrible, and try to start all over again. And as I got older and as I got to be a junior and senior at Liberty, I remember thinking somewhere along that way, man, this isn't working. As much as I pray and try and think and do, and this just is not working. Why isn't it working? I pray. I'm at church. I memorize the scriptures. I can tell you every scripture there is. I'm at the devotional meetings at night in the hallway. I'm there at chapel service Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm there Sunday morning. This just isn't working. God, why aren't you healing me? Why aren't you taking away this addiction? All the time. I was still blind. I was unaware of who I really was, how I really felt, what I really needed, because my addiction was covering it up. And in all my religiosity and my spirituality, it still didn't help me. Because I was covering up who I really was, what I really needed, how I really felt. I didn't know who I was, to have a kind of corny therapy phrase. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how I felt. I didn't know what I needed. So at college, I got married and continued in my addiction. And I was married for 12 years. And within that 12 years, my ex-wife found out about my addiction and 
became angry, upset, hurt, sad, all the things that would happen with that. In that also, though, however, I started graduate school in 1992, and I found a great friend and found great friends who could notice and saw what was going on with me and how I was struggling. And one of them took me golfing once and said, Clint, I know what's going on with you because I'm going to recover for this. You've got an addiction going on, and I bet it's a sexual addiction. And he was a great friend. He's a great friend today. And there at what is now called Richmond University, when I went, it was called the Psychological Studies Institute, and I also went to Georgia State University, we started a sexual addiction recovery group. I also went to SA, Sexual Addiction Anonymous, SAA. But in this group for men, I stayed there with them for probably 10 years, driving every Sunday night at least 45 minutes one way, sitting in group for at least two hours and 45 minutes back, telling my story, bringing hope and healing. I started therapy. I started to get to know myself, who I was, how I felt, what I needed. I started to heal. I started to get clean and sober and stop acting out and I started to understand how I felt. At some point, my first marriage ended. I'll tell you that story in another podcast because you're going to want to know that story. But that marriage ended and I got married again to a wonderful, wonderful human being and lady who has supported me, who has helped me, who has listened to me, who has allowed me to become me. I've continued in therapy. I've continued to understand and grow and know who I am. And along also, you heard me say, you know, at Liberty, things just weren't working. I found other things that worked. Yes, my spirituality still works. And yes, uh, the Bible, Christian concepts, Christian ideas are still very important to me. But I also found other ideas that were important to me. Other influences. And one of my most best influences is a book called Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. One of the most powerful books I ever read. It had me change my mind. And when I read that book, part of me, a huge part of me said, wow, this is what Jesus must have meant when he said these things. And you're going to hear that in this podcast as we go along. You're going to hear how scripture, biblical scripture, goes along with psychological principles, go along with spiritual principles, go along with how you feel. Why it's so important to know how you feel and become aware to know why you're angry and irritable and upset. To not put those things away, but to become knowledgeable and aware of how and why you feel what you feel. Because your feelings give you information. And I spent so long pushing those away. So long just trying to act in the best way possible. If I just pray enough and do enough, it'll be okay, right? But it just didn't work. I had to put that knowledge together with knowledge about who I was and who I am, how I feel what I think, how the experiences of the world have impacted me and impressed upon me. I love what Rob Bell said a few weeks ago when I saw him in the Everything is Spiritual Tour. He said, you know, we all like to think that everything's going to be great and wonderful, but the world is full of dichotomy. There's good and there's bad and there's good and there's evil. Um, there's right and there's wrong. And this helps us to make good decisions. And we all want everything to be good and right and perfect all the time but what I found is things aren't good and right and perfect all the time matter of fact there are a lot of times where things are sad and irritating and frustrating and maddening and depressing and scary 
and anxiety producing and bothersome and worrisome and you know what I found that I don't control a lot of those things matter of fact I found out most of those things I have no control over at all and I can't do anything about them and they're gonna happen to me no matter how much I pray how much I ask how much I read how much I take care of myself my tires still gonna get flat works not gonna go well something's gonna break on the house my cars gonna break down people aren't gonna like me I will fail and it's in this time, it's in this time where what he called dark matter, matter or dark energy, where we grow. It's where the Bible says, and Paul said that he asked Jesus to take these things away. Oh God, take this away. I don't want to live with this thorn in the threat flesh anymore. And this is where Jesus looked at him and God said, in my weakness, in your weakness you'll be made strong. It's in this dark place that we are at sometimes that we learn and we grow and we get to know who we are. But we have to learn how to be aware of these times and quit trying to put them away. We have to learn how to be vulnerable. We have to learn how to be open and honest with ourselves, with other people around us. Because if we just take this dark energy and dark matter and act like it's not there, we will fall apart trying to look perfect. You know, it's dark energy and dark matter to keep the whole universe together. Scientists are just now discovering and physicists are discovering that dark energy, dark matter makes up somewhere between 93 and 97% of the whole universe and you can't even see it. If it wasn't there, the universe would fall apart. You wouldn't have the universe that we have today. And guess what? If you did not have those dark times in your life, if you did not have those times happen to you, you would fall apart. And acting like you can be okay and acting like everything's all right and acting like everything's always supposed to be perfect and God, what are you doing to me? Why is this happening to me? That will not help you. You will fall apart. I found that in my tribe to be true. I will fall apart if, uh, if I do not look at my dark matter and my dark energy. It's what my sexual addiction made me do. It made me look at myself honestly. It made me look at my dark energy and my dark matter and say, oh, what is happening here? And in that, I found hope. I have found healing. I have found freedom from my anxiety and my worry. I found freedom from my irritability and my anger. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean I don't ever get anxious or worried or scared or anxious or angry or irritable. I do. But hopefully what it means is I've learned to become more aware. I've learned how to take care of myself when I'm there. I've learned how to recognize it sooner. I've learned what to do when I'm there. I've learned how it impacts other people. I've learned how it impacts me. And sometimes I just sit with it. Sometimes I just allow it to happen. It's what I need to do. So this is what this podcast is going to be about. Allowing and understanding your dark matter, your dark energy. Allow, knowing how to use it. Knowing how to become one with it. Knowing how to understand it. Knowing how to use it for your good. Knowing how that in that very moment when you feel the weakness, God has strength there for you. This is going to be a hard journey at times. Because it means you're going to have to sit with some of those things. You're going to have to feel some of those things and I'm going to give you tools and skills to how to do that how to think differently how to meditate how to take spiritual principles and psychological principles and put them together and make those things happen because that's my story I didn't come from a great place and I had to do a lot of things to 
get myself right and get myself in a good place. And I'm not perfect. But I hope that you will join me on this journey. And I've told you some of my story. I've told you who I am. Recovery for 21 years of sexual addiction. Divorced, broken, scared, left alone. Had to figure out who I was and what I needed. Had to learn how to set boundaries and limits. Have to learn how my spiritual life impacts my psychological life and how my psychological life impacts my spiritual life and how they're not exclusive, but they integrate into one thing. Hey, let's hang out. If this resonates with you, if this is something you go, yeah, that's me too, come along with me on this journey. In the next week, in the, next, in the coming months, get some skills and tools that you need that will help you along this journey from all kinds of spiritual disciplines, from the psychological world. Let's hang out. Let's help each other. Let's get to a place where we all can become one, supporting one another, coming together to make this world and ourselves a better place. I will talk to you next week. I look forward to it. Namaste.